It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. voice of women in sport. Hello and thank you for downloading the Amazon's podcast here at With Sports. This is season two, episode two, and I'm Chris Stafford. I was like, okay, well now it's time for me to actually try 8A grade. And I did, and I tried, and it took me, I think a whole week or so, constantly just trying one route. And then eventually I, I got it, I climbed it clean. And it was a huge satisfaction for me, just a huge turning point for me to realize what I'm actually capable of doing. Because it means if I, if I can climb that, I can push my boundaries even further. this episode we're going to be talking about climbing but first of all a word from our sponsors dive into summer and enjoy it to the fullest cheer on your family olympians and keep the members of your team diving swimming and just having summer fun with highlands earache drops highlands wants to make sure your summer fun isn't ruined by ear pain Highlands earache drops provide natural relief from pain, fever, irritability, and occasional sleeplessness associated with earaches. Highlands has been trusted by generations to provide safe homeopathic medicines for everyone in your family. After you've been diagnosed by a physician, try Highlands homeopathic earache drops or tablets. Earache drops are available at CVS stores. To learn more, Go to highlands.com slash ear. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D-S, highlands.com slash ear. Claims are based on traditional homeopathic medicine, not accepted medical evidence, not FDA evaluated. Always read and follow label directions. My guest is 30-year-old Anastasia Strizhikova, who was born in Latvia, but she moved to Ireland when she was a teenager. And it wasn't so long ago that she discovered the sport of climbing, which has changed her life. 
And as she explains, she used to be shy and introverted, but climbing has brought out a new passion, a new confidence and new ambitions. Hi, Anastasia. Welcome. Thank you for joining me. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I found you on Instagram. Yeah. And I was so impressed with the photo selection that you had on Instagram. And I thought, oh, this woman means business with when it comes to climbing. And there's some really lovely photos of you in different countries where you've taken up what is actually a new passion for you so let's let's start at where this passion actually begin and why uh yeah sure so uh, i think it was about six years ago so 2014 if i recall correctly um i was one weekend i wasn't sure what to do i was sort of looking for things to do for the weekend and i googled uh, things to do in dublin because i live in dublin and rock climbing popped up and I had no idea what it is, actually. So I started looking into it. And I said, you know what? Let me try. So I signed up for a course for like a day um, training course just to, to see what it's like and what it is. And then ever since then, I kind of, you know, started going back to it. I wanted to do it more and more. And then eventually I just fell in love with it. Um, so right now I basically can't live with it, which is great. it's wonderful to find that passion isn't it and something it's like a drug when you find a sport that you just want to keep doing just can't wait to get back out there I know totally and especially for me because of I suppose how I was before before I found rock climbing I didn't really have any hobbies I didn't have any passions uh I had a pretty simple life I wasn't really doing much except for meeting people you know for coffees and going shopping and doing this and that um I suppose I sort of was searching for something to 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 do or something to call mine or to have something a passion in my life or like a meaning in life but I just could never I could never find it I could never see it It, I just didn't know it was there um so when I found rock climbing even though I wasn't great at it initially I was you know I was drawing my best, but I wasn't great at it, but it was so appealing to me, mm-hmm. just the whole, the challenge, you know, mentally and physically to get to the top of a route sort of caught me. Um, and I was like, okay, I want to try this again and again and again. I want to come back. I want to see what it's going to do to me. And it's totally changed my life. I mean, looking back, I used to be a totally different person, uh, which is great. I it's like I don't really know how to thank <laughs> to thank myself, I suppose, for for googling that day and finding this day because right now, six years later, um, yeah, I'm very grateful to have it in my life. Were you not so sporty as a child then, Anastasia? You know, in school and stuff. I was sporty. I was actually sort of a tomboy sort of girl. Like I was very sporty. I was uh, always out. I liked adventures. But and I've tried different sports before. I tried volleyball, kite surfing, I don't know, even dancing and all sorts of things I've tried. But I suppose maybe because I was sort of an introvert, I was quite shy and if I tried something before and it I wasn't good at it straight away, I would get really embarrassed. So I'd quit like immediately. So that I suppose that kind of prevented me from um maybe finding something earlier if that makes sense but with rock climbing I decided even though I knew I wasn't great at the beginning I said I'll stick with it anyway I just wanted 
I, so I don't know what changed in my mind, but I said, I'll stick with it and I'll see um, where it takes me. And it has taken me quite, quite far in my life. And I'm grateful. Yes. In many ways, it's taken you far and enabled you to grow in, in very different directions, hasn't it? Now, you are based in Ireland now. You live in Ireland, have been there for a while, but you grew up in Latvia. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, all the countries that you've climbed in, are there opportunities to go back there and climb? No, not in Latvia. It's a pretty flat country. Our only, the highest point in Latvia is about 315 meters, which is, wow. I suppose, a hill, but we call it a mountain. <laughs> we are very proud of it. <laughs> so, no, that we don't have any cliffs or any, any, anything like that. And I suppose rock climbing isn't really that popular in Latvia, even from like a rock climbing gym perspective. I think there's maybe like only one in the capital um, and it's also not like a great one. So I, I'd say people wouldn't be familiar with that sport at all back home. When you've adapted to an Irish accent, uh, that which uh, tells us how long you've been in, in Ireland, but what was it like growing up in Latvia? Uh, in Latvia, it was pretty sort of easy life because I come from a small village, a very, very small village, uh, like one school, you know, one police station, a few shops, and then, you know, just beautiful nature around. We had a lot of forests and we had a river and lakes. So it was pretty sort of simple life growing up. Um, yeah, uh, fair, interestingly enough, I don't really remember much from my childhood and I don't know why that is. <laughs> So how old were you then when you moved to Ireland? Uh, I was 16 when I moved to Ireland. So I finished my junior cert in Latvia and then I moved straight here. And explain why you made that move with your family. Uh, well, I suppose it's one of the classic Eastern European stories where at that time, 2004, 2005 and six. um I suppose the economies here in Ireland and England were booming. So a lot of Eastern Europeans would have traveled uh, for some time or maybe just moved uh, permanently to live there um, to get better jobs and to, to get basically better financial stability. So my mother saw an opportunity in Ireland. And she moved first herself. And then after a year, she decided that she wanted me to come with her um, because she believed that I would get better education in Ireland, um, which she was right, because if you get an education in Latvia, usually it's not internationally recognized. So I suppose that was a, a good move on her side, and I'm very grateful to her for that. Um, so yeah, basically that's it. That's the reason why. Now, obviously you love it there, and you've settled down, and you've got a lot of climbing opportunities there now. So talk about what those opportunities look like how far do you go for climbing and how how much do you train indoors and or or on a wall as opposed to going and finding places on location in ireland uh, so i live in dublin so the closest place to go would be uh, a place called dalky quarry um so it's about depending where you live in dublin it's about maybe 30 minutes to one hour drive um so that's where i would go let's say after work uh, if i had a full if i work full time i would go after work uh, if the weather allows and spend my time there um, and then off season during the winter times uh, when it's raining um, i would go indoors so we have a few gyms around dublin climbing gyms where i would spend my time 
uh, training, climbing, and just get trying to get stronger. Um, so, so that, yeah. So most days you're going climbing then, doing something as, as much as possible then to get fitter and stronger? As much as possible, pretty much, yes. So again, my obviously my body needs some rest as well, but uh, I would try to climb anywhere between four and five days a week, and that allows me to have two to three rest days a week. And how how long would you go out for then? Say you're outdoors on a on a on a climb. How 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 long would you actually be climbing? Because you know we've talked before. Anna says you're about the preparation and the mental training and the strategy of a climb. Um, give us an idea what that might look like. Uh, yeah. So. It can basically be anywhere between two hours to a full day of seven, eight hours. So let's say if I'm going after work, I only have the evening. So depending uh, how much daylight we have, I can have two, two to four hours maybe. So if I go out, I always make sure that I have a plan in my head as to what I want to climb so that I'm efficient. Um, and so on the weekends, let's say if I go out, we have a full, full day. We can easily go there at like 10 a.m. in the morning and come back home at 10 p.m., if not even later. Uh, we just like being out all day and climbing. And apart from climbing, you always meet your friends, your climbing partners. So you just have a great time just kind of catching up and socializing. Um, but, yeah, I find it very important to sort of have a goal in, in, in mind before going out climbing, because otherwise uh, I find myself... Uh, being inefficient or sort of not doing anything and just sitting around and talking to people that has happened a lot <laughs> so uh, I've, I've learned the lessons you know if I do want to get something out of it I have to go in with a plan in my head and it's worked pretty well ever since I realized that um, yeah that's pretty much it so when you say that plan would that be the the route or would that be how high you're going to climb is is this height important uh no so if you have no usually it's not height important because you just have a crag and there's different routes so it would be grade dependent so how difficult the, the, the climb is so i might go out one day and have a plan in mind that i want to do easy routes today but i want to do uh, a lot of a lot of easy routes so sort of, I'm not uh, working on my strength, but I'm working on my endurance, let's say, or just basic climbing technique um, and, and that kind of thing. Or some days I would have goals in my head that, okay, I want to do specific hard routes. Um, so I would call them my projects. Um, and I know that they're much harder, so I can't do a lot of them. So I'd pick one or two or three um, and specifically focus on those. And my goal would be to do all three of them or all two of them. Uh, within that evening or within a specific specific period of time uh, so if I, I do achieve that then I suppose I, I've succeeded. Now you mentioned that the socialization of the sport and I think that happens in every sport you know you form a group or you have a training partner or, or whatever it may be I mean it is as social as as anything now with climbing one assumes that it's you wouldn't climb alone. Presumably you have someone there for safety measures. Yeah, so most of the times you would have uh, a partner, so a, a B-layer, a climbing partner. And it can be anyone basically that you know or that you trust or I suppose it, it depends on each individual. Um, so I would have a few friends uh, that I've climbed 
that I climb consistently with. So we would just, you know, if anyone's around the quarry or you arrange before, just to know that you will have someone to climb with. Um, and then you go and you and you have fun. Or if you are in a group of people, then you just go in and then you just sort of split up. And based on what other people want to climb, you sort of try and arrange um, sort of good pairs, what would make more sense uh, to go and climb with specific partner that day. Uh, but uh, a lot of people also would go alone, but it would be for the discipline that co that's called bouldering. So when you boulder, you don't really go high, you're quite low off the ground and you have crash pads uh, for landing. So you can do that as well in many, many locations and you can just have a really good day just on your own uh, bouldering around um, and it's pretty safe. Explain what bouldering is. So bouldering is when you are climbing um, sort of a boulder, so a rock, a big boulder or a big rock. And you don't need rope protections or anything like that because it's it's generally not high. It could be maybe up to three meters or so. Um, and you just climb up and when you top out, you either down climb the rock from the other side or you, you know, there's always a way to kind of get, get down from the rock. Um, so that's what's called bouldering, if that makes sense. <laughs> and and without ropes and then the, the purpose of that would be what if it's not high off the ground well usually bouldering is much more much more difficult in style so there's less moves but they're much harder moves if okay. that makes sense yeah yes yeah i get you and then you said there are landing pads there in case you do fall yeah so there's called they're called crash pads uh bouldering pads there's several names for that. And you just sort of place them at the bottom of the boulder. Um, and as you climb up uh, and if you fall, you'd basically land on the crash pad. So they're soft. So they're designed for that. I would imagine that's quite social then that in itself. That would be quite fun. Very social. So bouldering would be even more social than rope climbing, let's say. Um, but usually, usually, I mean, there's a lot of people who do it uh, on their own because you can be pretty safe depending on the area. But most of the time, you know, people have friends around and then you just climb all day and it's, it's extremely fun. What's the highest you've climbed, Anastasia? The highest I've climbed was probably over 100 meters, 120, maybe 130 meters. Cliff, if um, I recall correctly, yeah. And where was that? That would have been in uh, Verdun Gorge in France. Where they have some wonderful climbing, uh, so I'm told. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful climbing. So these these routes would be called, or these areas would be called multi-pitch routes or multi-pitch climbing, meaning that the climb has multiple pitches because um, the rock faces are longer, so they're over 100 meters. So it's not just you don't start at the at the bottom and one person just keeps climbing to the very top you sort of alternate the 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 leads if that makes sense so the whole face is split in sections and then one person leads the first section then the second person leads the second section and then that's how you progress to the top and i'm i'm guessing that there are climbs that are there to be you know challenged uh, all over the world talk about some of those that you've you've climbed in different countries and 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 what the challenge was, what you know, what was the satisfaction of the climb? I suppose uh, I have to pick a route. I suppose a climb. It would have to be my recent trip to Spain uh, over the winter. Um, 
when I decided to basically constantly uh, aim for higher and higher grades, grades that I've never climbed before. Um, and so last year I actually climbed um, my first 8A grade, uh, which was a huge achievement for me. And when we started the trip, I never even thought about even trying something like that. But throughout the trip, I sort of realized that I could, you know, climb harder and harder and hard, harder. And when I reached that last limit, I was like, okay, well, now it's time for me to actually try 8A grade. Um, and I did, and I tried, and it took me, uh, I think, a whole week or so, constantly just trying one route. And then eventually I, I got it, I climbed it clean. And it was a huge satisfaction for me, just a huge turning point for me to realize what I'm actually capable of doing. Because um, it means if I, cl if I can climb that, I can push my boundaries even further, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. What are the grades then of these climbs? Um, so uh, you can look at them as from anywhere from four to, to nine, let's say we can break it down that way. Um, and then every sort of number grade has a subgrade like 4A, 4B, 4C. Um, and so I've climbed during my Spain trip, I've climbed all the way up until 7C plus. You add a plus as well, 7C plus. And then after 7C plus, the next is 8A. And then you have 8A plus um, and so on. And the highest would be what? I think the highest in the world right now is nine, I want to say nine C, but maybe I'm lying, nine B plus or nine C. Okay. Because <laughs> every day, there's every day professional rock climbers, they're basically trying harder and harder routes and there's someone out there that, you know, climbs something and maybe the only person who has climbed one specific route and he claims it to be the hardest route in the world. And then it's sort of hard to judge until there's someone else that can come in try the route and also say, okay, I agree with you. It's that same grade or say, actually, I disagree. I think it's easier or even harder. Um, so it's a bit kind of, it's tricky in the way that how it's graded, that it's basically based on the climber itself. Yes, I can, I can see that, you know, how, yeah. And that will happen as you discover new, new climbs all over the world. And do you, do you have then a bucket list then Anastasia you have some out there as soon as you can get out traveling again that you know are on your list uh, I have a bucket list for Ireland definitely uh, and I have a few uh, I call them unfinished businesses back in Spain <laughs> so if I do go back there I know exactly what I want to try for sure but for the time being um uh with the whole you know COVID-19 and the travel restrictions we don't really know when we can travel back to Spain or anywhere else, I suppose. So at the moment, I'm happy to just focus on um, the routes in Ireland, which are also pretty, pretty um, fun and exciting. And what is also fun is that you're getting more and more ambitious with the confidence that you, you know, you you build every time you go out. I guess. Definitely, yeah. The the more sort of um, the more achievements or the more routes you climb or new boundaries if you you know push your boundaries and you achieve something personally for yourself that's difficult not, not necessarily for other people but for myself if i've seen that something has been very difficult for me in the past and i managed to to do it suddenly that it just gives me a lot of confidence in myself a lot of self-belief that i can actually if i can do that i know i can do more 
Uh, and it just gives me a lot of motivation to continue training and to continue just keep ticking off those goals off my list. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, yeah. And, and how do you overcome the nerves? You know, for someone who doesn't do well with heights, <laughs> I can't <laughs> imagine doing what you do. And so it would be facing the fear as well and the challenge of overcoming that, that apprehension um, the excitement, the apprehension, the, the the mental challenge as well. But the the fear must be real when you face those climbs sometimes. Oh, it's definitely, definitely real. And um, for me, I don't I I don't really know if it's the heights that I fear. It's more the the potential of falling. But you know, if when you're climbing and there's a potential to fall, that's what I fear most. And that's what a lot of the climbers fear. It's like one of the number one fears that every climber will talk about. It's the falling. Um, and I've learned over time, over these six years that I've climbed, is that I will actually never get rid of that fear. I believe it's impossible, but there is definitely ways to suppress it or to, I suppose, learn how to control it or manage it. Um, and I've done that throughout my climbing experience. I've seen um, that I can I can basically calm myself down by doing certain things before climbing a route. Um, and it's definitely helped me progress for sure. And I would imagine it's all in that preparation, isn't it? You know, just before you go, you make sure, you know, you've checked every box in preparation for that. And, and that kind of focus will, you know, just take your mind, I suppose, it, it consciously for a while off the fear because you know you're doing everything you can to prepare for that climb. Exactly, definitely. So for me, it would be extremely important to double check that all the, you know, logistics, all the climbing equipment is, is, in, is perfectly and correct before I start climbing. You check your partner, you check yourself, you make sure you have everything you need. Uh, for the climb so that you're not halfway up and realize that you actually are missing some crucial piece of gear or something else. Um, you know, make sure that you have your helmet on, that you, you know, the ropes are in good condition, that everything is in good condition. Basically, that's important for, for me anyway, to know that everything is working properly. So then I don't have to think about it 
while I'm climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the mental preparation. So when I approach a climb, if it's a difficult climb for me, um, I do a lot of preparation beforehand, sort of uh, trying to learn the route, trying to understand uh, where the fall potential could be, where are the most difficult uh, sections, um, and sort of under- assessing if I do fall at that point, you know, how bad the fall will be. Um, most of the time it's, it's fine. And if, you know, if you do think that there's a potential for some sort of injury, you make sure that, uh, well, I make sure that I just either practice that specific section beforehand many times just to make sure that I definitely wouldn't fall, fall so I'm comfortable with that specific move. Um, and then I'm, I'm sort of confident to go in and climb the route knowing that I know how to do the specific move. I know I can't fall here. Um, and so you just sort of focus on that. That's your goal in mind. Just climb the route. You know exactly what to do. So just execute it. Um, yeah, and a lot of self-talk for me, even before and even during the climb, I would talk to myself in my head, sort of calm myself down and sort of uh, tell myself positive affirmations, if that makes sense. So like, it's you know, you got this, you can do this, you're strong enough. You're well able for this. You need everything. You you have to finish this route. You totally have it. And even when you're, I remember in Spain specifically, when I was sort of trying harder and harder routes, there would be moments when I'd be so tired from the route, so exhausted, but I would talk to myself out loud to say, "Do not dare to fall here. Do not dare to fall here. You have to climb. You have to climb this cliff." And I do it. And then I start laughing to myself because it's like, I feel like it's someone, you know, kind of like a different person just climbed out of my body and started talking to me like, don't you dare fall here. You got this. Go ahead. And it's so funny, but it works for me. That's exactly what it works when I talk to myself and I tell myself that you can do this. So just do it. Um, So, yeah, it's worked for me. So (laughs) I continue to do that. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, that happens to me, and so yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And it, yeah, it just keeps keeps you motivated on those sporting challenges, whatever they may be. So, um, when it, when it comes to the sport, if anyone's listening and thinking they might like to take this up, then Anastasia, the, the costs, presume obviously, or in the all in the equip, equipment. Do you have to be a member of a club, or, or what's the structure for climbing? Uh, I suppose it depends what country you're in. Maybe there's different rules in different countries. I'm not sure. But in Ireland, uh, you don't have to be really a member of any club. Uh, you can buy your own equipment. You can do some um, introductory courses in climbing gyms. Or if you can find people uh, online or somewhere, on there's certain you know groups on social um, uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, where people are always looking for people to climb with or like beginner climbing groups. Um, you just sort of meet up and you start climbing together. Um, so you don't have to be a member of any group, but you can be if you want. There's all there's different associations and organizations where you can sign up and then you're sort of uh, in a way guaranteed a climbing partner. Um, but otherwise, like me, I just went and did this course. I remember in Osmos and then I got my own equipment um, and sort of started doing my own thing, started climbing by myself. And then I met uh, people in the gym I made new friends and that's how I sort of started um, progressing and climbing. And and how much does the equipment roughly cost, you know, to get a, just a basic starter kit, so to speak? Uh, well, in Ireland, you could get 
well, it depends what type of discipline you want to do but let's say with the rope climbing uh you'd maybe get a rope for like a hundred euro your harness for maybe 60 shoes for maybe a hundred and then a chalk bag maybe for 10 euro and some chalk let's say another 10 euro um a helmet don't know 40 euro like it depends what brand so what's that maybe about 300 euro maybe more including belay devices and stuff like that so for the very basic indoor climbing maybe three to four hundred euro i suppose that's like roughly i don't, I don't really know i mean you'd have to go into a more detail for everybody to do your own research but that's a just a ballpark figure there to get started yeah obviously like you can save money by you know looking alive for discounts or knowing exactly where to look right. or and then getting some help some coaching some training for for this because um, we had talked before anastasia and you mentioned that you're going to go further and get coaching qualifications as well to be, be an instructor yeah so uh i will do that in july so that's my plan because i don't have any and i would like to get one um, it's a three-day training course and then you basically go away and you climb as much as possible and you log your climbs and then when you're ready you can book an assessment uh, course so basically there's instructors that assess um, your skills um, they basically confirm whether you're good enough or not good enough to get that qualification and everybody should look for some help then to get started i'm not you know even if you put if you're climbing with someone who's experienced, um, is that is is that enough, or do you do you need real extraction like you would in any sport, really, just to get started? Uh, yeah, so just to get started, I suppose you don't really. It depends what you what you're trying to get out of it, but you can always do a one day sort of introductory course to basically learn the basics of 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 rock climbing. And then if you want to um, get like learn everything inside out, you can do any of these training courses, uh, the more in-depth ones or but generally what happens is people just meet other people and they just learn from other people. You just learn by doing it's that is what I've seen for, for, for myself anyway. That's what I did. And for most of my friends, uh, that would be their stories. So, yeah. And learn safe practices. That has to be the priority, I'm sure, on every every time you go out. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Well, it sounds like you're having a lot of fun out there and a lot more to come. Hopefully you'll be able to travel again soon, Anastasia, and uh, take on some of those challenges on, on your bucket list. I hope so, too. I, I honestly can't wait to go back there, <laughs> out there. Well, good for you. <laughs> You have got the book thoroughly now. That's wonderful. And obviously, um, you can just keep going, no pun intended, but higher and higher in the sport, you know, once you get coaching qualifications and there, there'll be no stopping you. So it, you could make a living. Is that the hope? Then eventually you could have a job doing this? That's uh, a plan of mine, yes. I don't really want to talk about it too much now, but <laughs> I, ha I, <laughs> I do have a, I do have. Um, I suppose, a, a project of mine in my head that I'm working on at the moment. So, yeah, fingers crossed it works out. Well done. Well, good for you. Well, the very, very best of luck. And uh, tell everybody how they can find you and those wonderful pictures on Instagram. 
Uh, yeah, so my nickname on Instagram is at Nastya, which is N-A-S-K-J-A. Um, and that's me. My name's, Ana- my name's Anastasia. Nastya is my nickname. And that's how you can find me. <laughs> that's how you can find it. Okay, we'll also pronounce your last name because uh, you can do it better than I can, obviously. Yeah, so it's Anastasia Strijakova. 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 Awesome. Super. Well, Anastasia, thank you so much for coming on the program and uh, telling us about your climbing and, and this new passion in life. And I want to wish you the very, very best of luck. Continue to enjoy it and stay safe. Thank you so much. I appreciate this opportunity. Thank you for having me. And you can find a link to Anastasia's Instagram account in the show notes accompanying this episode. That's, of course, at wispsports.com. You can also follow us on social media at wispsports. And if you have a moment when you're downloading your next podcast, do leave us a review. It makes a big difference to our listing on Apple Podcasts, and it makes it easier for other people to find us. And if you have any suggestions for guests for this or any of our other shows at Wispsports, then do drop us a line to info at wispsports.com. We would love to hear from you. And again, thanks to our sponsors, Highlands Earache Drops. You can find them at highlands.com forward slash ear. Until the next time, thank you for listening and helping us turn up the volume on women's sports. Goodbye for now. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.